0: All right, well, I wanted to uh, start off by wishing all you dads out there a happy Father's Day. Especially those who are getting it done. Loving Jesus. Loving your family. Shining His light. Y'all pray for me because I need to be better at all those areas. But happy Father's Day to you guys. May it be a blessing to you. Um, they've already mentioned the Bible, so I want to give you a second just in case. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, it is back there on the table. So make sure if... Um, you know, we'd love to gift that to you. And then also, if you don't have the notes, don't be frightened. There are a lot of notes. but uh David, did you have any trouble printing uh, getting those in a couple of hours he figured it out. Okay, good, I knew you could. I knew you could figure it out. but don't don't be scared. <clears throat> but if you want some, they're in the bulletin and uh, you know follow along and you know some people it works great to do that some people. You just freeform, and that's fine too. but just wanted to make sure you uh, all these things were uh, available to you. And, uh, and just one final thing uh, you know, to take an opportunity while I have the mic here is I just want to say how thankful and grateful I am for the worship team. They are a huge blessing, and I tell them a lot, and I want to say it here to you. It's not normal to have that many good singers in a congregation our size. Um, and it's not about just being able to sing. These guys worship and it is awesome. They put in a lot of hard work to do so. We've even tried to meet on some Tuesday nights with the musicians just to kind of work on songs and stuff like that and then work Wednesday nights with practice. And so they give, um, they give it hours. They get here early on Sunday mornings, so they give hours a week to this. And I just wanted to just take this opportunity to thank them. And if they are a blessing to you, if if you'd like to share that, I would encourage you to encourage them in that because they are truly a blessing. And it is. It is awesome. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, so anyway, before we actually get into the message today, And now if you got your notes ready, you get your pen and all that kind of good stuff uh, if you you do that. But before we get into the message, I did want to kind of walk through some review. The first three messages in this series were basically uh, kind of laying the foundation for this whole series. And so I want to just recap those three real quick if we could. At the beginning of this series, we looked at how fellowship is so much more than just kind of getting along with folks that are like-minded. we got the same interests. We do the same things. Therefore, hey, yeah, we're in fellowship. David talked about true fellowship, and he compared it to God the Father and God the Son and how they eternally exist in that fellowship. Um, some references, if you want to jot these down, are John 17, 5, Matthew 11, 27, where it talks about even just from the beginning, their Uh, their fellowship and it's just it's awesome and how we are received into that amazing fellowship so not only are they do they have this eternal fellowship they call us to participate in this type of fellowship together in him and that is true fellowship we're getting up uh, to the first uh, first blanks of notes here but uh, if you want to fill those out the strength of our fellowship with one another will be determined by the maturity of our fellowship with Christ. That was one of the things that was highlighted from that message. And I, it just grabbed me. I wrote it down in my notes and I I loved it. And so I want to read that again. The strength of our fellowship with one another will be determined by the maturity of our fellowship with Christ. Next, we looked uh, in the next message. We looked at the importance of abiding in Jesus and, I can't stress that enough. I, I can't tell you the importance of abiding in Jesus. It, uh, just even in our prayer time this morning, Tamara even emphasized it again. You know, if you're, she, she was saying like if you're, uh, if you're worried about this, abide in Jesus. If you're concerned about that, abide in Jesus. It really comes down to that. And that is so true. The fruit it bears uh, when we abide in Jesus is not works of our own but simply by His life being our own as we are grafted into Him. He is the true vine. And as we are each, here we go with some more blanks here, as we are each living in Him, our fellowship with each other is through Him. If we are living in Him, then our fellowship with each other is through Him. Think about that as a vine and it's got different branches. Well, the branches aren't necessarily connected to each other, except through the vine but they are they are connected better and more than if they had you know some type of uh, other connection they can't be more connected to each other because they're connected to the vine and that's just that was so important and that is so important that we get that that he creates bonds that are stronger than any interests or hobbies we could have together those are fun those are great i love it uh, you know, I don't play it as much, but I love playing uh, disc golf. And, uh, you know, I know there's several guys here who who love the same. And so we'll go and play disc golf from time to time. That's great. Even blood, your kinfolk, your relatives, this type of abiding and this type of fellowship abiding in Jesus that that creates is deeper and stronger than anything. Interest, hobbies, blood, anything. And then finally, we got to that third message and and that helped lay the foundation for this series, which showed how our fellowship, and he used the word koinonia, uh, koinonia fellowship is compared to a physical body. That's what we talked about in that third message. We have many parts that do many different things and each part plays a critical role. The Lord has designed us, he's designed us to be intricately woven together so that when each of us are a healthy member of the body, there's a blank again. When each of us are a healthy member of the body, he is glorified and uses us in ways that are not possible on our own. Because we are made to be a body, we are made to be in this type of fellowship and to be healthy members of the body. When one of us is not well, the rest of the body suffers, literally it is critical that we understand His fellowship as the Trinity and our fellowship with Him as the true vine. And then also how important our fellowship with Him together as a body as we serve Him. So that whole abiding, we need to realize that, that each of us play a vital role in the body as we seek Him. We all play a vital role. Not to get too morbid, but if you know I were standing up here and all of a sudden my hand just fell off, uh, some, you know, some weird way, I just lost my hand, it's just laying there on the floor, you know, would it still be a part of my body? In one sense, yeah. I mean, that's, that's my hand. Uh, you know, it's, There it is. That's my hand. It's not your hand. It's my hand. So if I lost it, it would still be a part of my body, though literally a part from my body, but it would still be a part of my body. But can, could it continue to do anything? It may twitch for a second or two, but after that, could it do anything? Uh, Just laying there. Just laying there. And eventually it shrivels up. Eventually it even turns back to dust. But why? It simply does that because it's though it's still part of my body, it's not connected to my body. Though it is still my hand, Laying there on the floor, it's it's not a part of my body and it's not connected to get the things it needs to function as a hand. Is it still a hand? Yeah. Is it doing what it's supposed to be doing? No. Is it suffering? Yes. So we've got to realize that. We've got to understand how important each and every one of us are. Does my body continue to function with my hand laying there? Yeah, it's probably functioning pretty, pretty good. I was probably screaming and yelling and hollering at that moment. But at the same time, eventually my body is going to keep doing the things that a body does. Is it going to be hindered in doing what it was used to do? Yeah. Yeah, it can't do everything that it was used to doing before because it depended on that hand for certain things. Can it relearn? and try to uh, still accomplish some of those things that the hand did? Yeah, yeah, it can. But it's never going to be the same. It's never going to be the same. And just as we are that intricately woven together, we all serve a vital function in the body of Christ. I want us to get that. And I believe that's, that's really the elders here. I mean, that's, that's something we believe the Lord is driving home more than anything. We each are part of the body, and we've got to be a healthy part of the body. Doing what God has called us to. We all serve a vital function, and a part of that function is walking in the gifts He has given to each of us. Each of us has gifts. We get to the life truth here, and the life truth is every little thing We do for God's glory, those are some blanks there. Every little thing we do for God's glory makes a big difference because it is part of something bigger. The things we do make a big difference because it's part of something bigger. And that something bigger is the church. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. And when one member suffers, we all suffer. When one member is healthy and strong, it helps the other members to be healthy and strong. We are connected, and we are connected in ways I don't even fully grasp, to be honest with you. But 1 Corinthians 12:18 kind of gives us a vision of what he means when they're talking about the body there. 1 Corinthians 12:18 says, "But God made our bodies with many parts, and he has put each part just where he wants it." He's designed our bodies literally and put things in there and, and 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 designed it just the way he wants it. Our fingers are just where he wants them. Our, you know, our toes are just where they where he wants them. But I want you to get this. You are just where he wants you. As you've come in here today. And if you are a part of Agape, you are exactly you know, where he wants you. We have got to figure out how we come together even more and become the body even more and become together and functioning as that body that he has put together each as a part where he wants it. And we got to figure that out. Today, we're actually going to look at spiritual gifts and how they fit into that grand design of fellowship and how we use those spiritual gifts to serve one another. How we, through abiding in Jesus and serving Jesus and serving one another how we all do that through the gifts he has given to us uh, hearkening back you know we, we we give to each other the gifts he has given to us and that can mean a multitude of things but we're going to look right to, we're, we're basically going to walk through first Corinthians 12 1 through 11 we're going to walk through it verse by verse um, Today And that doesn't mean that we're just going to only stay in that passage, but it does mean keep your finger there. If you're following along in a Bible, uh, a paper Bible, just make sure you put your finger, keep your finger in first Corinthians 12, because we'll be bouncing back and forth uh, and stuff. But again, one more thing before we actually get into the passage. I know I keep saying one more thing, but uh, I, I just want to envelop this message with the perspective first. And most importantly, I want to emphasize, because we're talking about gifts here, and I just want to emphasize the fact that we are to pursue the giver over the gifts. We are to pursue the Lord. Uh, Just as we talked about a while ago, just abiding. We are to pursue the giver over the gifts. We are to wholeheartedly seek Him, fully abiding in Him, seeking first the kingdom of God. Everything else is dependent on that. Everything else is dependent on that. So get that in your head as we walk through these passages, these verses. But he has given us gifts. And as we pursue him, he will provide the situations and opportunities to utilize those gifts for his glory. So don't not think about spiritual gifts. Let's, I mean, specifically what your gifts may be. Think about that. So here we are, uh, as we're coming to the notes, and uh, you've probably already seen it, but I'll I'll say it again. Pursue the giver over the gifts. There's a common phrase some of you may have heard is, well, you know, I seek the giver, not the gifts. That's actually not biblical. Didn't mean to burst your bubble here this morning on a Father's Day Sunday, but that's actually not biblical. Uh, But we are to pursue the giver over the gifts. But don't not seek to understand spiritual gifts and specifically what yours may be. We even see this in the first verse of our passage today. We're finally getting into the passage we're talking about today. So we even see this today. First Corinthians 12, verse 1, right out of the gate, here we see, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Some translations use even the word ignorant where it says uninformed. Paul's not wanting us to be ignorant or uninformed concerning spiritual gifts. We are actually even called to learn about and grow in our gifts. So hear me when I say, even though we are to pursue the giver, yes, it's actually right and biblical to understand, even desire spiritual gifts. As we see in 1 Corinthians 14.1 here, it says pursue love, So there's pursue the giver because God is love, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. There's that word desire, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but touch on that at least. But so we are, we are to, we are to pursue, we are to desire the gifts. That's not wrong. That's biblical when it's put in its proper place. We shouldn't be seeking. And I say I want I probably get too touchy on that and too overemphasizing that simply because I've come through um churches in the past and it was like it was all about the gifts. And it was just every little goosebump, every little and you know, everybody was pursuing the next thing that God did, the next something. And and so it, it kind of took away from the giver. And, and so I get a little sensitive. So, so, but I want to spur us on to pursue the gifts as well. We are to desire them. We are to pursue them in light of pursuing the Lord. So let's pick back up here. We're in verse 2 of First Corinthians 12. And it says, we're actually going to read verses 2 and 3. It says, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And I love how he kind of compares and contrasts here. He, he refers to mute idols. And, you know, back then they were still common to have like, well, I mean, even in other parts of the world today, they have these statues or different things that they actually worship and and trinkets and whatnot. And he refers to them as mute idols. I love that um, because what the Corinthians were worshiping, they, it had no voice. It had no voice. They were worshiping but he's saying, I don't know why you're worshiping that. It has no voice whatsoever. They could not speak. And then Paul leads into speaking in the spirit of God and connects that with what comes out of our mouths when we are in the Holy Spirit. No one can say Jesus is accursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord uh, without being in the Holy Spirit. No one can say Jesus is accursed and have the Holy Spirit. No one can uh, say Jesus is uh, Lord without the Holy Spirit. And this makes me think of verse nineteen, ten, in Revelation. So Revelation 19, verse 10, it says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus. That's, that's what that is. If. For us to say Jesus is Lord, and it doesn't literally mean, we can kind of get off on a tangent there too, but we won't. But, but the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus according to Revelation 19.10. And that's what, kind of what that's referring to in the sense of the spirit of God in someone will always give glory to Jesus. There's some blanks there. The spirit of God in someone will always give glory to Jesus. We could spend an entire message on just those two passages, like I said, uh, and how it relates to salvation, which could get a little squirrely, but for the sake of time, what I feel like the Lord is wanting to emphasize today, we're going to move on and we're going to move on to verse four of first Corinthians 12. And if I start running too fast, I can get excited and start my mouth. Just go, Hey, Hey, slow down, brother. I'm still writing. You know, I'm fine with that. We're all cool here. We're all family. So. Uh, but as we're picking up in First Corinthians twelve verse four, it says, "Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit; and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord; and there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all, in everyone." I loved how Dave, uh, Kevin actually emphasized that, how he talked about in the Spirit, by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, while he was up here uh, praying and, and, and just and just that emphasis. And that's kind of what we see here. The emphasis, it's the same spirit. It's the same Lord. It's the same God who empowers them all. But what Paul seems to be doing here is kind of breaking the various types of gifts down into three categories, really. He has gifts, service, and activities. So gifts, service, and activities are types of spiritual gifts. I'm going to use the Greek terms here. So hang with me and I've got them written down there in your notes if you have them. but I'm going to read the Greek terms, but I don't know Greek, okay? Don't, like don't don't be in any way uh, misled here. I don't want you to get the wrong impression. I don't know Greek. I'm standing on the shoulders of Greek scholars who have done all that hard work and they've done that. So we're all in the same boat here when we're looking at these words. Not a Greek scholar. but I did want to use the Greek terms in order to help us to further define them and really kind of get why he breaks them down. It really helped me and hopefully it'll help you to see how why he differentiates them like that when he when he's talking about these gifts. So in verse 4 he uses the word charisma. And who knows if I'm saying it right, but charisma. And this is a means this means a, a grace gift of divine power there's some blanks there a grace gift of divine power so that's where we're seeing uh, these gifts of grace uh, that that can only come from god in other words supernatural they are supernatural they're outside of natural functioning in verse 5 he uses the word diaconia diaconia this refers to acts of service to others. So serving others, doing things like if if, uh, uh you know, I, I come around, if, you know, we were at lunch or something and, you know, sometimes uh, people will come by. And, hey, can I take that for you? Like a waiter or a waitress. Can I take that for you? And typically, if, if it's not completely clean, my plate, I'm not wanting them to take it because I'm still eating. Typically, if it's on my plate, I'm still eating. But, you know, sometimes they'll come out, hey, can I take that? And if I'm clean, you know, if the plate's clean, I'll be like, yes, you know, thank you. So that's like an act of service. You know, we actually, I don't know if you can see it from the word there, diakonia, or even how I say it, but that is where we get the term deacon from. That's where the, the word deacon derives from. So that, that act of service, that serving others. And, um, and then in verse six, we have the word energema, energema, which is like doing something, a function. An effect or operation. So those are some blanks there too. Function, operation. So, uh, so it's like an effect. If you look at it, you'll see this is where we get the word energy from. Uh, if you can kind of see it there, that's, that's where energy derives from. So I think that's cool just seeing how we get certain words. You know, charisma. I didn't say this, but charisma, that's where we get charismatic. And if you're charismatic, that means you, you kind of roll with the supernatural um or at least that's a term we that's how we use it today um so it means you believe in the gifts of the spirit that are still active all of them uh, if you're if you're a charismatic and uh I am one just just to let you know that but <clears throat> the, here we see energy so it's the function operation so this is Paul's way of saying pretty much any type of activity so anything we do anything we can do uh we should do by the empowerment of the holy spirit so yes can you get up can you get up and and walk to that door mics messing up. sorry can you get up and walk to that door on your own yeah but can you do it in the power of the holy spirit yeah i don't know what the difference is but you can you absolutely can i think some of it when it refers to abiding to where if you're you know, you're being prompted by the Spirit to walk to that door because maybe somewhere along the way you're going to make a connection with somebody that the Lord is wanting you to to talk to um, and maybe minister to. So, so Paul's way of pretty much you know saying, "Hey, anything we do, any activity, whether it's charisma, diaconia, or gama, any of these can be empowered and should be empowered by the Holy Spirit." Another thing I believe helps promote this is the fact that there is not an exhaustive list for spiritual gifts within Scripture. There's not like, a, okay, here's here's all of them. And and it doesn't say like, okay, if, if it's not this, it's not a spiritual gift. It doesn't really do that. It doesn't give us an exhaustive list. But there are references in other areas of Scripture that do list some of the gifts. So I put those in there. Those are just for later for you to kind of go back through. Uh, it's really neat to actually walk through each of these and in their context, you know, a lot of them you're going to see overlapping like it says, you know, teacher here, it says teacher there. It's you know, so you'll see a lot of them overlapping in those passages, but it's really good to get a good idea of the various references to the gifts that have been given to the church and uh, and then how they overlap and then look at them in their context and why certain ones were emphasized in that passage versus some listed over here, but it's it's more along the lines of just telling us the nature of them so that if there are others not listed, they can be at least identified in one of these three categories is it an act of service is it a, a supernatural gift is it you know just an activity of doing something uh, you know for someone you know it can be listed as a as a spiritual gift if you are empowered by the Holy Spirit when you do it so. First Corinthians um, four through six and all of that uh, that we talked about just there,' that's that's just kind of bringing us into an understanding that each gift is empowered by the Holy Spirit and we can be we should be empowered by the Holy Spirit as we pursue him and desire gifts. So all right, now let's uh, let's carry on to verse seven here. Verse seven in first Corinthians 12, it says to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good here. Paul's giving one of the reasons we have these manifestations of the spirit for the common good. So I'm actually going to reference back uh, to the first part of my message when talking about how we all play a vital part. We all play a vital role in the local fellowship. And if we can grasp that and then if we can grasp giving that gift away, it's not given to us just to hoard. It's not given to us just to, hey, you know, to bless us. We can grasp that it's to give away to others generously for the common good. That's what he says there, for the common good. So we're to give those gifts away to others. I'll even harken back to what David preached last Sunday as far as generosity. We will see the Lord do things in our midst that would blow our minds if we get a grasp of one, how vital we are to the fellowship. Two, the gifts He's given to us. Three, to give them away generously for the common good. If we could get a grasp of that, I'm telling you, we'd see, we'd see God move in ways that would blow our minds. So, although two of them are not listed here, I, didn't, I just could not take the opportunity and not mention these other two areas where, it, it, where it's talked about the three purposes for spiritual gifts in the church. So, the Lord uses these manifestations and the various gifts within our body. We, he does it, we've already talked about that one, for the common good. We just talked about it verse 7. But the two others that I want to highlight here of the three purposes for spiritual gifts in the church is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. I'll just read it real quick, Ephesians 4, 11 through 12 And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, which actually contains the third purpose as well, is to build up the church. 1 Corinthians 4.12. And listen to this one, because this, this really grabs it. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit. You see there? It's okay. They were eager, and he was like, two thumbs up. You're eager for the manifestations of the Spirit. That's a good thing. But strive to excel in building up the church. In other words, get it in perspective. Make sure you're not pursuing the gifts over the giver. Get it in perspective and pursue, uh, you know, yes, strive for those gifts, but do so to excel in building up the church. So for the common good, to equip the saints in building up the church. Those are the three purposes for spiritual gifts. And I realize I got a lot of notes. I mean, I, I, I liken it to like, you know, when you skip a rock across a lake, I mean, There's just so much good stuff in here. We're not going to go deep in in many of them. We're just skipping across the top on so many of these things, but uh, hopefully we can get through them all. Um, But anyway, so we actually get into the gifts here. So verse 8 through 10 are actually a list of the gifts. So we're actually getting into the the gifts that are listed here. Starting with verse 8, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between Spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. So then we see in verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit. There's that emphasis again, one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills there are actually nine gifts listed here so we're just going to touch on them real quick i've got them listed there uh, in your notes as well Um, but uh, there are nine of them so because of that we're just going to kind of run through them somewhat fast the utterance of wisdom so uh, words of wisdom utterance of wisdom it's basically like sage advice but I also wanted you to, to know that this word actually also uh, this word of wisdom, this type of wisdom refers to being able to interpret dreams. So that's pretty cool. The Lord speaks to us, guys. The Lord speaks to us even today. And sometimes he uses dreams to do that. And, you know, somebody with the gift of wisdom could actually help you interpret the dream correctly in the Lord. Um, so Luke 21, verse 15 Is the is the verse I have referenced here? But I'll read it real quick. It says, "For I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict." This is the Lord. This is Jesus talking to the disciples. But he's also referencing to like the end, where he's like, "You're going to be brought before councils. You're going to be brought before you know. You're going to have family members betray you. You're going to you know like it's all going to get rough, and you're going to stand before certain people to give an account." Don't think about what you're going to say in that moment. The Lord will give you what to say. That's what it's talking about here. The wisdom, you a mouth and wisdom, which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. So that's that supernatural gift of wisdom that the Lord gives to some of us. Here's an utterance of knowledge. Also, it can be referred to as a word of knowledge. Now, this is referring to general intelligence. So just like, you have an ability to be intelligent. You you have ability to obtain knowledge, to retain knowledge and to kind of distribute knowledge. But it also is referencing words of knowledge that things that you wouldn't be able to know. I mean, it could even be just facts. I think uh, uh, I played this game called I Should Have Known That with uh, David and Kevin recently. And Kevin, I think, was getting words of knowledge because he was answering way too many of them. Uh, correctly. And I'm like, there's no way you know that. There's no way you know that. But, but anyway, it's, but it is, it's words of knowledge, things that you wouldn't necessarily know. And, you, but all of a sudden you have this bit of knowledge that the Holy Spirit has given you, but it's also general intelligence too, in your capacity to be able to, that is a gift to be able to, uh, to walk into the ability to learn. So second Corinthians four, six is the reference there. And it says for God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And I love that one because it talks about that knowledge and it really talks about that spirit empowered knowledge and even kind of harkens back to that revelation verse. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus, because that's really the the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Whatever it is, if it's picking up a piece of trash off the floor and putting it in the trash can, you're doing it empowered in the it's giving a testimony of the work of Jesus in your life. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but it is true. And when we see this knowledge, the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, that's that gift of, of that utterance of knowledge. The next one we have is faith. Okay. Now everybody has been given a measure of faith. So what I assume this means is because this is actually a gift of faith and And I think we all can receive this gift of faith as well. So don't get me wrong. Oh, well, you've got faith and you don't. But it's uh, it's kind of referencing the fact that, you know, when you're in a situation and you sometimes the Lord just gives you a measure of faith that you can't explain. Like, i I know I shouldn't believe for this. Like everything's around me is telling me, you know, this isn't going to happen, but you just have this sense that it is and you just have this faith and that's a gift of faith and then you see it come to pass and you're like lord that was you uh it was it was a gift of faith being able to kind of uh, even trudge through a specific instance a specific situation you can believe for that is a gift of faith from the holy spirit that he will give you luke 17:6 says and the lord said if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed you could say to this mulberry tree be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. Those are the words of Jesus. So if you don't believe that, take it up with him. But that is truth. That is truth. We had faith like a grain of a mustard seed. So that is a gift. Healing is another one listed there. Now, this word actually encompasses, you know, so it, it covers medicinally and supernaturally. So people have the gift. Luke, remember Luke, who wrote the book of Luke and Acts, He was a physician. He had the gift of healing. He probably had both. He probably had the the ability to heal in the natural and the supernatural, which is amazing. That's pretty awesome. Other disciples were probably jealous, but but that is a gift that that we've been given, the gift of healing. And some people have that gift. uh, They walk in it on a regular basis. Acts 9.34, we're going to see a supernatural one here. And Peter said to him, Aeneas Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose. And this was somebody who had been lame, just laying there, could not move. And he says, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose. This also kind of falls into the next one as well. It could actually, it's a gift of healing, but it's also a working of a miracle. Working of miracles is a spiritual gift. And that's basically the power to do the unexplained. Miracles, like you scratch your head, like how in the world did that happen? We see miracles every day if we're looking at them, because it's like how in the world that should not have happened the way it did, and it's it's a miracle. It's a, it's the grace of God. And it's the gift of God through His Holy Spirit. Acts six eight says, and Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Stephen, I used him specifically because he was a deacon. He was he was not an apostle. He was not, you know, but he was just a. a He was one that was like, "Hey, I love Jesus. I'm here to serve. Let me help wait tables, Um, but I'm also going to proclaim the gospel." And God used him mightily, full of grace and power, doing great wonders and signs among the people. So then we come down to uh, the next gift is prophecy, and this is a type of discourse emanating from divine inspiration. So it's 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 a it's a divine uh, kind of revelation, if you will, you know, and, and it also is a kind of a revealing of hidden things. And it's and there's even a a, a sense of forth in it. So in other words, telling what is to come, uh, not fortune telling, but forth So the gift of prophecy um, is is one that we see the Lord use uh, in people's lives very powerfully uh, to to have some type of, revealing of a hidden thing or a forth telling to someone that encourages them. First Timothy 1.18, here's another use for it. It says, This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. So here we see Timothy has had a word spoken over him in the past, and he's all up in the middle of a battle here. And Paul's going, hey, Remember that prophecy that was spoken over you? That was the Lord. Hold to it. Cling to it. Let it help you through this time of fighting so that you can get to where you know God's called you to be. God you know, God said it here. He's going to do it here kind of thing. So that's, that's where we see the gift of prophecy being used. And then we get to distinguishing between spirits. A discernment or judging between spirits, and so that's more than just knowing. Oh, that's right, and that's wrong. That's that's true. That's false. It's really being able to distinguish the spirit behind something, because you know, uh, the devil will even sometimes appear as an angel of light and have a semblance of truth to it. So he can he can say something correct, but if you know the spirit behind it, you're like, mm, back off, devil! You're trying to take truth and twist it, and, and you know, do something else. So. That's where that gift of distinguishing between spirits comes in. Knowing the spirit behind something. Hebrews 5.14 says, But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. All right. And then next we get to the fun one. Tongues. This can mean a heavenly language; it really can, but it also can mean an earthly language that one, you know, would be untrained in. Um, I was on a mission trip one time, and, and this guy was telling me how he was he was preaching with an interpreter. So he was, you know, he was American; he was speaking English. I'll tell you a joke if you'll come up to me afterwards about that. Just, just run. if you like jokes, just come up to me and say, "Remember, you said that." I'll tell you a joke. I'm not going to take more time than that. But, um, but so he. He spoke English and then he had an interpreter. So he would, he was preaching. He'd say a few sentences and that it gets kind of hard when you're working with an interpreter because you can't just flow like I'm doing here, like I'm just running on. Probably some of y'all wish I had an interpreter. So I'd take a breath from time to time. But um, but you'd say a few sentences. Then you look at the interpreter. The interpreter says it in their language. Well, he got fired up and he realized after a time, he's like, oh, shoot. I've probably said way too much. And he looked and the interpreter had sat down. And so he but he was like, well, I'm just going to keep going because I don't have time to wait on him. So he just kept going with the message. And so then afterwards, he was like, hey, what happened? I was like, I'm sorry. I, I didn't you know, I'm sorry. I didn't catch you there. And I just got fired up. And he goes, man, we started understanding you. I don't know if you know Spanish, but you started speaking Spanish. And he was like, What? No, I mean, so they were hearing Spanish. Like he got so fired up in the, uh, and God was doing something awesome there with the message that the interpreter just literally sat down. So I thought that was pretty cool. So that's that's a type of tongue, but it can also be a heavenly language as well. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14.2 says, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. So that's that. That's that heavenly language that's sometimes referred to. But then you also have a tongue that can be interpreted for the benefit of the body. And that's the the last gift we see here. Interpretation of tongues. When a tongue is spoken in a gathering, it is best to have an interpreter. So if tongues were going to be spoken here, which I pray one day, we see that. Um, But it would need to have an interpreter. And I don't want people to to think, well, okay, somebody stood up and spoke in a tongue and then nobody said anything. There was no interpretation. Well, you know, sometimes that could be that the person who had the interpretation was too scared to give it or didn't realize, oh, that's me. I should have said something. Uh, you know, that could happen. So, but if it does happen, you just simply sit down. Um, I mean, it, again, you just sit down and, and really Paul t- tells the Corinthians how to do it um, Right here in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 27, he says, If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. So in other words, if it's going to happen in a service, let someone interpret it. Um, you know, Because if not, nobody knows what just happened. And, and that's where it can kind of get a little squirrely and crazy. Because then it's like, well, then you got all this jibber-jabber and nobody knows what's going on. And it's like, well, oh, what is that? It's It's nothing. And it just kind of gets lost, but when there's interpretation, the body can be equipped, encouraged, and built up. Uh, so, anyway, that's the list. I'm going to take a sip of water just to. Are y'all good? Are y'all with me? All right. I realize it's a little after seven, and it's Father's Day, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna speed up just even a little more. But we are almost through. We really are. So, regardless of the gift you've been given, there are three main phases we should be walking through with gifts that the Lord has given to us because I'm cheesy and because hopefully it's going to help you remember it better. Hopefully I'm going to call them the three D phases of spiritual gifts. So you see the, each word starts with a D D. Isn't that alliteration, I think. Uh, So we've got discover, develop and disciple, discover, develop and disciple. There are many ways we can discover our gifts, but it starts with desiring to have them and use them. I know there are tests you can take and uh, you know courses you can take on what's my spiritual gift and different things like that. And, and, and I'm not just saying don't do any of that. Some of them are, are probably very helpful. But what I do want to tell you first and foremost, I want to encourage you this. Don't wait for a class. Don't wait for a course. Don't wait for a test. Don't wait for all else to fail. Go straight to the source. So when you're discovering your gifts, go straight to the source. We see it in Luke 11, 13. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And how appropriate that is today, you know, Father's Day. How much more will the father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He's not playing games. Just ask him, seek him. Quit being held back by self-absorbed false humility. If you are good at something, it's the spirit of the Lord in you that's doing it and creates opportunities for you to testify of his goodness, of his greatness. Once you discover that you, what you think may be a gift he's given to you, once you've discovered that, well, then you start working on developing it. When you're developing your gifts, you have to be willing to make mistakes. Now, that means you're also going to need to have a a safe group too, a group that loves you, will speak the truth in love to you and let you make those mistakes, but also come around you and help guide you through those mistakes. So you need to be able to have a safe place to make those mistakes. All right. So here we go. How many of you have ever used something in a way it's not intended to be used? Nobody, I know. Dad's going to be raising their hand. All oh, you dads, be yeah. You've used something that's not intended to be used, like a, a hammer for a crowbar, a wrench for a hammer. <laughs> you know, something like that. You're you're using different things. You know, like a a towel as an oven mitt. All right, here's a, here's a hard one. Ketchup for French fries. I can I, I couldn't even hardly say that out loud. Sometimes it might work. Sometimes. It might work, but it's really not what it's made for. And it makes it harder to do like eating fries with ketchup on them. Yes, I'm going to eat them, but it's not as good. It's just having salt on them. As you grow in your gifts. Yes, if a fry, if you need ketchup for your French fries, you've got a bad French fry. I said it. That's my gift. Okay. When your gifts, it may feel like sometimes you are just doing it all wrong. You're going about it the wrong way. You're you're not quite using it the right way. And, and again, that's where that trusted fellowship, that's where that, that group of brothers and sisters in Christ who you know love you, who you know you can trust, and they can speak the truth and love to you. That's where that comes in. That's that safe place that you can mess up but here's something that you've got to know. And here's a blank. I don't even know if I've, we've hit blanks lately, but um, sorry about that. But uh, I'll give them to you later if you need them. Uh, but, but here's some blanks here. That means if you mess up and you've got that tr- safe, trusted group, then you've got to have a teachable spirit. You've, you've got to. You have to. You have to have a teachable spirit and the ability to receive instruction in humility. Proverbs 15, the fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom and humility comes before honor. In other words, you've got to be able to receive it. If you trust those people, trust them and, and be willing to receive that correction and that uh, development. Trust your, trust your leaders in the church to say, Hey, I love you. This might've been okay. This wasn't. And be okay to receive that in love. If you mess up, it's an opportunity to learn to develop, just like the word says, it's a, it's it's an opportunity to develop your gift, and either grow in that gifting. But sometimes, actually, you may realize, you know what, this gift isn't for me. You check that one off the box, and you keep pursuing the Lord, and the Lord keep, continues to use you, and you begin to see and develop and discover other gifts that He's given you. You begin to grow in them, and it's just not all. It's just not for you to grow in your gift. You discover it. Yeah, you develop it, but that's not where you stop. You also need to be discipling others that are trying to discover and develop their gifts as well. Another blank here. So we disciple. That's that third word, disciple. And then here's the blank. Don't shortchange God. Don't shortchange what God has given you. Don't shortchange what God has given you. I know some people think they've got to have it all down perfect before they could ever you know, be able to Share it with somebody else or teach someone else. Here's a silly example, but if you're learning the alphabet and you've only got A, B, and C down, well, that doesn't mean, well, I can't teach the alphabet because I don't know the whole thing. I don't know all 26 letters, um, so I can't teach it. Well, no, that's, that's wrong. If you know A, B, and C, well, there's somebody that doesn't know it at all, so you can teach them A, B, and C while you're learning D, E, and F. You see, don't don't shortchange the gift God has put within you. Yeah, you you may not you may not be able to disciple rooms full of people all over the nation and whatnot. All these um, celebrity you know ministers who have these filled stadiums and different things like that it may not be it. It may be two people you're meeting with for lunch one day, and you're just helping them. You're showing them something that God showed you. And that is utilizing a gift that the Lord has deposited in you and that's giving it away to others. That's discipling others. Every little bit, remember, makes a big difference. Luke 6.40 says, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. So eventually that person is going to know A, B, and C. And eventually you're going to know D, E, and F and you'll start teaching them D, E, and F. And you you just keep going there. We are called to make disciples. All of us are. We are all called to make disciples. You should, if you're uh, walking with the Lord, you should be discipling someone else. All of us are. And part of that is imparting and helping to discover and helping to develop others in the gifts the Lord has given you. There is an aspect of progression that we see. Discover, develop, disciple. But I also don't want you to get hung up on that. Oh, well, I discover this, I develop this, then I disciple this. It can all be happening all at once. You're discovering and developing and discipling all at the same time. It could be multiple gifts. You could be doing it with one gift. So don't get too caught up on the progression path there. But those are phases. Now, getting ready to land the plane here. So y'all hang on. And we're going to do that by, uh, as I'm closing, we're going to be, uh, there are a couple of misunderstandings uh, around gifts and I want to, I just didn't, I could not get let this message go by without addressing them. So we're going to go through the myths on each one of them. And myth number one, there again, here's some blanks coming up. Myth number one is a powerful spiritual gift equals a spiritually mature person. False. That is not true. That is false. The gifts of the spirit do not reflect the spiritual maturity of a person. I know that sounds weird, but we see it in Romans 11, verse 29. It says, for the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. You can be a mess and, have, and be functioning in some pretty powerful spiritual gifts. You could be, you know, just. it does not mean that you are spiritually mature if, just because you've got this powerful spiritual gift going on. I've seen this several times, especially in those supernatural gifts. Just because someone can read your mail doesn't mean you should be mimicking them and all that they're doing and, and listening to them and following after them and, and, and doing everything they say do. Um, that's a powerful gift. If you've never had anybody read your mail, that's that's a, that's a mind-blowing one. But also we see here in Philippians 1, 15-18 where Paul talks about those who are preaching the gospel and obviously doing it well. So these, he's not saying, yeah, they stink, don't listen to them. He actually says, hey, I praise God for them that Jesus is being preached. Yeah, they're doing it for selfish gain. Yeah, they're doing it to make me jealous. But hey, at least Jesus is being preached and people are getting saved. So we see that, that you know he's talking about it. So that, that, that myth of a powerful spiritual gift equals a spiritually mature person, false. The next myth, the ability to function in a spiritual gift equals a Christian. Now that's a big myth. So, oh, am, I'm functioning in a spiritual gift. That means I'm saved, right? False. What? Yes, false. You can have, you can be functioning in a spiritual gift, and not be a Christian. Someone can be a high functioning person in their gifts because we're going to see this in Matthew seven verse twenty two through twenty three. Says, and this is Jesus talking about in the last days. He said, on that day, many will come to me, and say. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So you see that? I mean, that's that's crazy. But it's something we've got to make sure we understand. The ability to function in a spiritual gift does not even mean you're saved. So yes, they're awesome. Yes, they're important. Yes, each one of us has something to give to the church, but let's not think too highly of them. Let's not put an incorrect emphasis on them. doesn't mean you're spiritually mature if you've got this awesome, flashy gift. And it doesn't mean, even if you have this flashy gift, it doesn't mean that you're saved. So those are two myths that we've walked through there. And I wanted you to get them down. Here's the last blank to fill in. So we are right here at the end. Thank you for hanging in there with me. Spiritual maturity is measured by the fruit of the spirit, not the gifts of the spirit. Spiritual maturity is measured by the fruit, not gifts. So we busted through those myths. We we saw mm, their faults. Those common and I'm telling you those are common uh mistakes. Especially like when you when you're in that charismatic uh, group of you know churches and stuff like that, they they will they will elevate somebody with a powerful gift in a hurry, and then they fall. I mean, we've seen, we've seen the headlines. We, we see them. And it doesn't mean they're mature. It, and sometimes it doesn't even mean they're Christian. But spiritual maturity is measured by the fruit of the Spirit. Love. Oh gosh, I shouldn't have even started trying to name them. Uh, love, faithfulness, patience, whatever. You know, there are nine of them. I'll tell them to you later. I'll look it up in my Bible app. But the fruit of the spirit is where uh, is what shows the maturity of a believer. Thankfully, not the being able to list them. No, the bottom line: here we are. Here we are. And I, and I actually wrote this in. I put. Hopefully, it's in there. I don't know if David could fit it. He may have just killed it. So uh, the bottom line is: we are to pursue Jesus with our whole heart, desire His gifts, and be faithful to walk in them for the common good, equipment of the saints building up the church through discovery, development and discipling others. I realize we went through a lot but I am t- and that's why I put a lot of notes in there is is that I want you to get this because that this is what the Lord is saying to Agape. You you have a gift. You have a spiritual gift that God has given you to deposit and to share and to give to this body and when you do that we are healthier. When you do that, we are better. We can function more as a body that we're called to function as. When you're not, we're not as healthy. We're not as strong. So please, seek after uh, the Lord with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind and then desire those gifts that He freely gives. Remember, He's a good Father. He's not going to give us a serpent uh, if we... We ask for bread or a stone if we ask for bread. He is a good father. He is going to give to his children the Holy Spirit for those who ask him.